Spirit of God, you are in this place. Spirit of God, spirit of freedom, spirit of love, spirit of power, spirit of peace, spirit of truth. You are in this place. We thank you, God. We praise you, God. I thank you, God, for what you will do, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, for freedom. I thank you, Jesus, that you died and rose so that we could have abundant life, God. And that's what we're here to talk about today, abundant life. And then that we would live in that abundance and that every demonic assignment would be canceled in the name of Jesus, that the sick would be healed in the name of Jesus. And Father God, we pray right now, Father God, lovey, is going into surgery today. Lord Jesus, she calls on your name and we join our prayers to hers. Father, that she be healed. Not surgery after surgery, but healing by the blood of the living lamb. Lord, we lift up our prayers for lovey, Jesus. Heal her in your name. Father God, I pray now, Lord Jesus, this message is life, it's power, it's truth. Holy Spirit, speak through me. Set the captives free. You died for that. You rose for that. You live for that. You intercede at the Father for that. We know this is true because of the word of God. And Father God, I pray that there is freedom in this house today. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Listen, to um, be able to talk about demons, you know, you don't think, oh, I, I, I really love talking about demons. We're talking about demons today. We're talking about, this is part two. I thought I was only going to spend one day doing it, but we're doing two days because there was too much. Honestly, as I was going through this last night, honestly, what this needed to be was, I mean, this could be a... 10, 12 week course. I mean, it really, you, you can't cover this. So I'm trying to hit the highlights. But here's the thing, this is important because demons are real, they operate, they affect lives, and we aren't, no one's even talking about it. People aren't getting free. Because I said last time, our, our, stra- our war strategy It's like if the Ukraine thought that their war strategy is if they ignore Putin, he'll just go away and leave them alone. This is how we're treating demons. This is how we're treating the demonic. If we ignore it, maybe it just will leave us alone. Do you really believe evil works that way? If you know anything, I mean, if you, all you have to do is look at, well, Putin, but any other evil source, you know, you don't just ignore things and they go away. You have to deal with them. And, then, and, there's gonna, and there are biblical ways to do things, and they lead to victory. So why aren't we talking about this? I don't know why, but we are. We are, okay? Because there is freedom for all of us. So I want to talk today. I'm going to focus today. Can Christians be oppressed by demons? And we talked a little bit last time about oppressed, possessed. You have to go back and listen if you haven't. Oppressed, absolutely yes. So I mentioned to you before, I've been doing deliverance for 12 years now. The only people who have ever come for deliverance are Christians. Mm -hmm. 
Most people, if they're not Christians, they're not coming for deliverance, they don't even believe in Jesus. How are they showing up at my door asking for freedom if they don't even believe in Jesus? A hundred percent. Now, I think there are some non-Christians who go, they're desperate, and they, they, they'll try anything, but that hasn't happened, at least in my case. It is a hundred percent Christians who are oppressed, oppressed. So the question is, what does this mean? How does it happen? And what do we do about it? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, but here's, here's the demonic agenda. There's a demonic agenda against Christians. Um, they've already realized that they can't have your spirit because you've chosen to walk with Christ. So they're like, okay, we can't, we can't do that. But what we will try to do is we will try to keep them. They, if we can't keep them from becoming a Christian, we'll try to keep them for, for, from fulfilling their purpose, from fulfilling their calling, and for having the abundant life that Jesus died to give us. You guys have seen this verse a thousand times, but you've got to constantly remember, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus died so that we could have life, have it abundantly to the full until it overflows. There are two spiritual entities at war. One wants to kill, steal, destroy. One has, is so committed to you having abundant life that he died for you to have it. He wants you to have full, abundant life. So we choose between these two entities which way we're going to go. But, the, but Satan wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your, your health. He wants to steal your peace of mind, relationships, everything good in your life. That's what he wants to do. He has an agenda, and it's to ruin your relationships. It's to bring sickness. It's to bring bankruptcy, chaos, addiction, Blah, 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 blah. We're going to go through some of these. He wants to derail you. He wants to distract you. And he wants to destroy you. And Jesus died so we could have complete freedom from all of this. There is a spiritual battle, and you're in it whether you know it or not. You are in a war. There's nothing worse. I mean, you are never more vulnerable than if you are in a spiritual war and you don't know it. Well, that's the most dangerous position in the world. But that's what we've been doing in the church. And by the way, look at the mess. I mean, it's not working. So, um, if Jesus died and rose because his heart for us was that we would not spend our lives struggling, he says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, I died to give you abundant life, this, I died to give you joy, I died to give you peace, if, if he is that committed, why are so many Christians living in depression, despair, addiction, divorce, misery? The, the list is very long. Why is that? I have a question. Did the blood of Jesus lose its power? Did the resurrection of Christ lose its power? No. So then why is the church... I mean, as many people are popping pills to try to have peace of mind in the church as in the world, the divorce rate in the church is the same as in the world. What's happening? Has Jesus lost his power? Of course not. What has happened is we were, we were created to live supernatural lives. We were not created to live one-dimensional lives. We were, to, we were created to live in the power of the Spirit of God 
and we're not doing it. And we're not even acknowledging that it exists. We're not even living in power. We have gotten so far removed from the spirit realm that we don't realize that the, that the problems that we're dealing with are demonic. We don't even say the word. They're demonic. And so we're dealing with them with the, we're never going to the root cause. We're constantly dealing with the, with the um, outcome of what demons produce and never getting rid of the actual problem. Here's the thing about demons. You cannot medicate a demon out. You cannot counsel a demon out. You cannot disciple a demon out. You can only cast out a demon. And I don't know about you guys, I don't know the last time I went to a church and I saw a demon cast out, so people are walking around trying, trying, and never having the victory. I think we need to stop casting some people out and start casting some demons out. What we do is we throw people away instead of dealing with the demon and saving their souls and setting them free, as Jesus told us to do. It is not okay for the people of God to be suffering the way they're suffering. It is not okay. He died for this. And this emotional suffering and all the suffering that I'm going to go through today, we have got to, first of all, acknowledge what the problem is before we can even deal with it. So here's some questions. How do you know if you have a demon? How do you know if you're suffering under demonic oppression? And all of last week was building for this. How do you apply it to you and me? There, there are a lot of telltale signs. Listen, there are literally thousands of different ways. Because demons try every single thing and they, they use all different tactics and they use, so this is not a comprehensive, uh, but I'm going to go through quite a few. I'm gonna try to cover a lot, as many as I can in this short period of time to help you understand. I, I, and I want you to start to think to yourself, is this me? Is this my situation? Does this resonate with me? Because you'll know, you won't, you'll be able to acknowledge, you'll be able to tell. One of, the, one of the ways is people who, are, people who are demonized, and I use the word demonized, it is, not a, it is not possessed, it's oppressed. Possessed would feel the same, but they feel uncomfortable. They feel uncomfortable around spirit-filled people. They feel uncomfortable around the teaching of this. Of, now, if it's dead, if it's a dead if it's a dead church, a dead pastor, a dead whatever, they're fine sitting there all day long. They'll just take a little nap and be fine. But if it's spirit-filled, they're agitated. They start to feel like, I don't know why. I don't, I, I have a hard time looking that person in the eye. I don't know why. I don't personally dislike them, but I feel this dislike for them, and I don't know why. I don't know why my mind is even agreeing with what they're saying, but I feel angry and I don't like this. I feel really mad about this. That, because there's something inside you stirring that you're actually not in agreement with. There's something, an assignment against you that's trying to keep you from this. Um, I have an example, and I have a lot of stories to tell. I'm going to try to limit them today. But one of my examples is uh, a girlfriend of mine who's become one of my best friends. When I first met her, we, we knew each other for a while, and after a little while, she said to me, I just feel like I need to be honest with you. She's like, I don't know why. 
I have a hard time looking you in the eye, and I really like you, but I almost feel scared of you. And I said, well, this, thank you for telling me, this is the best possible news. I said, I know exactly what that is. That's demonic, and there's freedom for that, and there's healing for that, and she's in the middle of getting her freedom. She's in the process of gaining her freedom. But she was like, I don't understand why. I, this isn't how I feel. Why is this reaction like this? It's just one of the signs. Another little sign that's just interesting, people will fall asleep. You try to read the Bible, you'll fall asleep. You'll sit in church, you'll fall asleep. You could sit through a movie all day long, you don't fall asleep. You could listen to a podcast, you don't fall asleep. If it's spiritual, you fall asleep. I've had people fall asleep in the middle of deliverance. Literally out, head back, snoring. Except for it didn't matter. See, the, the demons think that that's a trick, except for I'm not dealing with the person, I'm dealing with the entity. So I was like, well, good, she could just take a little nap. I just kept dealing with that demon. <laughs> it didn't take long till that thing was up and out. It thought it would, you know, it thought it would trick me. But it's just, there's just lots of little, another thing is when you read the Bible or you hear sermons, you want to understand and you just can't understand. It just doesn't make sense. And you're trying because you want to understand. And it just, it's like if there's a fog over your brain. It's a demonic, it's a, it's, it's a demonic uh, assignment against you to become who God created you to be. So there's lots of different things like that that, that, are, that are some signs. Now, there is sickness, so there's healing, but there is some sickness that can only happen through deliverance. So there is chronic sickness. There is chronic health problems, a lot of times of which doctors can't get to the root, can't figure out what's wrong, but it doesn't have to necessarily be that way. But we see in scripture constantly where healing and casting out demons go hand in hand. And I just put a few of the, of the um, scriptures on there. It says, Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give as freely as you've received. You see, healing and deliverance are all wrapped together. And by the way, he told his disciples to do this. This isn't even Jesus doing it. It's just people like us. It's just regular people like us. Another one, Acts 5, 15 through 16. As a result of the apostles' work, six sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Crowds came from the village around Jerusalem bringing the sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. This is what I want to say. Deliverance is a healing. And, and you know, there's a stigma because <clears throat> Satan has spun a narrative, and unfortunately the church hasn't countered it. So if we don't counter narratives, then he gets to set the narrative. So there's a narrative that's been set, which is having a demon attachment or having a demon assigned against you, or however you want to word it, I don't care. But Having this situation is something shameful and embarrassing. Something's wrong with you. Now, we can have physical ailments all day long, and that's not something that we feel ashamed about or embarrassed about. But see, physical ailments, Satan doesn't get the same glory for that. 
So he's gonna keep us from, if we could be ashamed of it, if we could feel like it's embarrassing and shameful, we'll never get the help. We'll stay like that forever. Listen, these people came out in public and Jesus cast out demons right then and there. There's no shame. There's no shame. We're gonna talk about even how these things happen sometimes, so I don't wanna jump ahead, but there's no shame in this. This is the glory of God. This is what Jesus died and rose for, to defeat Satan. If you let shame hold you, you'll be held for the rest of your life. It's, it, don't believe his lie. Acts 8, 6 through 8. Crowds listen intensely to Philip. Now, you notice every single one of these are just people. They're not, they're not Jesus. Philip is just a lay person like you and me. He's not an apostle. He's, not, he's just a regular person. So he, because they were eager to hear the message and see the miraculous signs he did, many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left the victims, which I talked about that last week. Deliverances, if you're looking for, you know, neat and tidy, and if, 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 if it bothers you for someone's freedom, for there to be, a, you don't know how they're going to display, but if that bothers you, I think your heart's wrong, Right? I mean, somebody's getting free. But these demons, they would scream as they left the victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. Do you see? Demons cast out healing. So there was great joy in that city. Always great joy follows deliverance. Always. If you guys could see the rejoicing that's happened in this house when people have gotten set free, I got to tell you, it's the most amazing thing. So you see here that 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 sickness and, and a demonic assignment can go hand in hand. We talked about this some last week and I didn't get to finish. We talked about Kimberly, which by the way, I want to show you guys a before and after picture. That's before, that's after. What does Jesus look like? Who says, who says deliverance is icky and scary? Look at that. Jesus is beautiful. Defeating Satan is beautiful. That's a demonic narrative. Why are we listening to that? Do you see the despair in this woman's face? Do you see, look, look at this. That's what Jesus looks like. I want to tell you, chronic sickness is something my husband has dealt with. And we have been to, and I'm just going to tell one quick story, but he had a rare parasite. There were like 21 people in the world who had this parasite, because you guys know he travels all over the world, and he has eaten in, in the craziest places, and he got an extremely rare parasite. And we were fighting this parasite for a couple of years. And they were literally giving him things that were killing him. He couldn't get out of bed. His joints hurt. He blew up like a puff fish. He, and the problem with these parasites is they can migrate to your brain, your lungs, your heart, and kill you like that. So we had to address it. He was suffering so much. He said, I can't take the medicine anymore, Stephanie. I'm not taking it. I'm just making a decision. I'm not taking it. So I called Mayo Clinic. And we had an appointment, we were gonna go out and they were gonna do radiation on him. They're gonna ra try to radiate, do radiation to kill these things. And literally, if you guys knew us during that time, Dave basically didn't show up to life for several years. He was basically in bed for years. And COVID hit. Right when we were, this, all this was, COVID, so this was a couple, two, two and a half years ago. Right, literally, the minute COVID hit, we were supposed to be going and they're like, oh, because that was under the infectious disease department of Mayo Clinic. They're like, sorry, all of our efforts going to COVID, we're not dealing with this. I said to Dave, you know what? I feel like maybe this is spiritual. 
This is impossible. This is spiritual. And, I, I, and, and I've said this to you before. When it comes to deliverance, there are a lot of very scary and wacky things out there. You've got to be very careful. Please be careful. You're going to learn this, and you're going to discover this is truth today. But be careful. So, and, and by the way, you don't do this on your own husband. It's like doing surgery on your husband. You just don't do it. So I was just like, I don't really. So, but the Lord led us to a man all the way in Arizona. And I knew that he was legitimate. And we flew out to him. And before we left, he had had LabCorp tests. These parasites were reproducing by the thousands. He was filled with them, filled with them. And he was, had thousands of these things. We go out, we have the prayer of deliverance done over him. We come back, we go to LabCorp, they take the test. They said, all the worms are gone, the only thing left are the larvae. We waited two or three more weeks, went back, took the LabCorp test, all gone. It was, it was a demonic assignment. This had nearly killed him. But I'm just saying, you know, and I guess sometimes I'm slow on the draw. I wish I would have done that a couple years ago because I know this stuff. But, you know, it's sometimes it's kind of hard to figure it out. Or, I, or like I said, I'm just slow on the draw. But I'm just saying this is real. We've lived it over and over. I could, tell, I could just sit here and tell you guys stories all day. It's amazing. A major way that the demonic works is through our emotions and our thoughts. Um, we all have ungodly thoughts. So I don't want everybody thinking, okay, if I have an ungodly thought, then this is my problem. No, everybody has ungodly thoughts. But there's a difference between a tempting thought and a tormenting thought. These thoughts are thoughts that, um, well, first of all, I don't want to do that yet. I want to, demons know that everything starts in the mind. You guys have heard the battlefields in the mind. So they go after your mind. Now, their goal is to fully possess your mind. That's their goal. Um, but they always go after your mindset. And, and if a person does not have a fully surrendered life to Jesus, if you have not really truly given your life to Jesus, this is how this looks. You have a way of thinking and a lot of times, you don't want that way of thinking. I mean, because it's usually depressing, anxious, hurtful, angry, hateful. It's something you don't want. Demons don't offer you thoughts that are, you know, uh, lustful, perverse, name it. You've got these thoughts, you don't want them. So you use self-discipline, right? You use behavior modification. You try really hard. And maybe for a little bit, you'll have a little bit of success. But let me tell you, none of us are a match for demons. None of us are a match for demons. You cannot try hard enough against a demon. You cannot try your way out of a demonic bondage. So you will live your life on a roller coaster because it'll be self-discipline, behavior modification, some improvement, then failure and shame, and remorse, then self-discipline, behavior modification, then a little bit of improvement, then failure, then shame and remorse. And it's a, it's a wonderful roller coaster that, that, that the demons love. Go ahead, try all day long. Try all day long. And listen, if you have this, you already know it doesn't work because you've done it your whole life probably, or for a long time. So 
you know, it is, it is so vital to understand that you cannot try your way out of this. And by the way, if, if, if it's you or if it's somebody you care about, if you will stop looking at them, because we don't war against flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, and dark forces, can you stop hating them for this? Because listen, living with that, you're wearing yourself out, but you're also wearing everybody else out. Everybody's tired of it. But here's the thing. You've got to understand what the real root is. And if you stop looking at them as the enemy and start having compassion, because you know what happens when somebody else is stuck in that? We're like, look what they're doing to me. And if you could stop thinking about yourself for five minutes, you would realize, do you see what they're trapped in? How about you pray for them to get free? Stop nagging, stop hounding, stop, start praying more and go to the source of what the real problem is, which is it's a demonic. And the only way to freedom is for them to be set free. So Satan has realized, if you're a Christian, Satan has realized, I can't have their spirit, which of course that's what he wants more than anything. He wants everyone to go to hell. He comes for death, right? But if he can't have your spirit, he will go for your soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. So your demonic oppression, if you are a believer, will be your mind, your will, and your, and your emotions. And that's what his goal will be. He wants your soul, since he can't have your spirit. So here are a list of some, and like I said, it would take days to go through all of them, but some of the, of the things that you might be like, okay, I am dealing with some, a demonic thing in my life. This is demonic. Now I know. So here are some lists of some things that might help you understand if this is what you're dealing with. Hatred. You'll feel a bitterness and a hatred. And here's the thing, even when we're filled, even, even when we see evil in other people, if we have Jesus and we're walking in the spirit, we don't hate them. We're opposing what they're doing. We're opposing what they're standing for. But there's never hate. If you feel hatred, you, you got something you're dealing with. A big one is self-hatred. So we did a deliverance on a man, I think it was like two years ago. And before we did deliverance on him, he would wake up every morning. And every morning, the first thing he would hear is F you to himself. I hate you. F you. He would hear curses in his head about himself. There was no reason for this. It just, but he never, it was a tape that played and he could hear this awful things about himself. You're this, you're that, you're this, you're that. So he came here. He heard one of my teachings. He realized he had demons. He sat on this couch and he got freedom. And he said it was the most amazing thing in the world. He said it was the first time he could remember. He woke up and there was peace. No voice, no evil, no nothing, just peace. And he was just like, wow. So self-hatred is another one. Um, phobias, fear and anxiety. Um, and you will know it's demonic because it comes in debilitating waves. You never know when it's going to hit. It will be wave after wave. And you never know. It's like the ocean waves. You don't know when it will hit. 
You will have a persistent depression, oppression, a heaviness, a sadness. I told you guys the very first deliverance I ever went through, this was the very first thing that God dealt with for me. I got free of a spirit of heaviness that I literally had lived under for as long as I could remember. There was a sadness and, and everybody that would have met me, they would have said I was a joyful person, but there was a sadness there and the Lord set me free of it. You know, self-defeating thoughts, a negative conversation about yourself all the time, extreme loneliness, self-isolation. God did not make you for isolation. God created us for community and fellowship. It's all over the Bible, even Jesus. Even Jesus, listen, we're in Lent season. When he had his darkest hour, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and what did he do? He brought his best friends with him. Even Jesus needed to be surrounded by his best friends. He needed their support, their emotional support in that moment, and they didn't do a very good job of supporting him. <laughs> but he, and he knew they weren't going to do a very good job, but he still wanted his, his people around him. You need people. Self-isolation and loneliness and all, that's demonic. Satan wants you isolated. God wants you in loving relationships. God wants you in community. Irrational guilt. This is a huge one that we come against all the time. People come. They did things five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years, 50 years ago, 60 years ago. They're still living in guilt for things they did long, 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 long time ago. Now, they didn't. They're not doing it now. They have confessed it and repented of it thousands of times. They've lived their life confessing and repenting and never able to receive forgiveness. They live with irrational guilt. Jesus died for your sins. He died. Your sins are removed from you as far as the east is from the west. You shouldn't feel guilt. You shouldn't feel shame. You definitely should repent of them and turn from that. But there is, we are free. That's the good news. We are free. We're free of our ugly self. So if you're living in guilt and shame for the past, that's demonic. You should, that, that's, a lack of, that's a lack of spiritual freedom right there. You have uncontrollable and besetting thoughts, blasphemous thoughts against the spirit of God, uh, like I said, hating a preacher, hating, and you won't care if it aligns with your misguided thinking, but if it counters the way you're thinking and that counters the way the demons want you to think, you're gonna have these thoughts. Now, I have had people that have said to me, I've sat in your teaching, I've known what you were saying were true, and yet I felt enraged at you, and I didn't know why. And again, I'm so glad people tell me. Like they have, they're brave enough to come up and say, hey, what is this? And I'm like, this is wonderful. Thank you. Don't let it, don't keep it a secret. Because that gives us a, a, a solution. Now we know what to do. They stay hidden. See, demons, number one, if they can stay hidden, they never get dealt with. So if your demons can stay hidden and you don't believe they're there, they get to stay forever. The, it's like, it's, you know, what's the first step in alcoholic AA? I'm an alcoholic. The first thing is you have to acknowledge and see the problem, right? The first thing you have to do is acknowledge and realize that what you're dealing with is demonic, so then it can be dealt with. So these are hints that help us understand what the truth is. Horrible nightmares. Uh, they will cause you to be terror-stricken. Um, tormenting thoughts and images. Demonic, demonic, demonic. 
Suicidal thoughts. Suicide is always demonic, always, 100%. His end game is death. Cutting, and we talked about this a little bit last time, cutting is an extremely big problem that's happening right now, especially with our youth. It is 100% of the time demonic. And I can't tell you how many mothers have called and they're distressed because they've discovered, because cutters hide. And they've discovered the cuts on their, their daughter or their son's uh, arms or legs, or they usually do it where they can hide it. And, and they want behavior modification. I'm like, no, 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 behavior. Mo- I'm not going to talk about that behavior. This is demonization. You can't behavior modif- modify this away. It has to be through the power of Jesus taking authority over these demons. You know, self-sabotaging in relationships or any other thing. Self-sabotaging, eating disorder. Uh, bulimia, anorexia, gluttony. Anytime you eat or don't eat or anything around eating in order to try to take control or fill the void, there is a, there is a demonic oppression behind that. There, we have seen people get free of demons and they would have accident after accident after accident. And this would be interesting. So did their parents. So did their grandparents. Because one of the things that we're going to, or maybe I'll talk about it now, but one of the things that happens is the, a lot of this stuff can be generational. And we talked about that last week. We talked about how in the Bible there are several children that were horrifically demonized and Jesus cast out the demons and they were children. They didn't do anything to get those demons. But if we have, we've got Kenny here with a red beard and, you know, red hair. Well, you, if you guys know his, Kim, his daughter, Kimber, she has that same gorgeous red hair and blue eyes like Kenny. If we pass down all of our DNA traits, well, she has the same wit as Kenny. She and Kenny have the same wit. They have the personality traits. They have the red hair. They have the, we know we pass down personality. We know we pass down, you know, hair color and all. Why don't we understand that, that the demonic assignment against a family is passed down until it is dealt with. You will see all the time. You will see all the time. Well, you know, grandpa and grandma got divorced. Then all of their children got the divorce. Then all their grandchildren got divorced because that'll run in families. You will see all the time. You know, there, whatever sin Satan has gotten a hook Grandpa was a pathological liar, daughter was, mother was. I mean, it just, it, there's generational curses and sins that get passed down. And so, and again, that, that's one of the things, why don't we understand that we have to confront the evil that is going, that sweeps through families? It hurts my heart when people are like, okay, well, your father was an alcoholic, so you're probably going to be an alcoholic. No, you won't if you deal with the demon. If you deal with the demon, you'll be free. You know, it hurts my heart. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. No, you won't. That's not what freedom looks like. Freedom looks like that demon being cast back to hell where it belongs and you being free. So, so we have a, a, another, so accident prone, I just got off on a tangent about it being generational, but violence, reckless behavior, irrational and uncontrollable rage. Rage is a huge one. Rage is a big, if you have rage and you're just like, 
uh, it was one of mine. You know, I didn't have it very often. But man, when I switched, I switched. And it was, I was a different person. Like, you know, I'd have this huge blow up and I'd be like, who was that? That's horrible. And I would hate it. It would freak me out. I couldn't believe that I could be so ugly. I'd been Christian for decades. You know, it's not that I wasn't a Christian. I just had something that needed to be dealt with. And, and I couldn't, I, I really, I could control it. I would try, I would try, I would try, I would try. And, you know, and here's the thing. Unjust behavior, someone doing something wrong, something unfair, something, you know, justifiable. And before you knew it, I was blowing it. And God, I, now, because I've had the freedom that I've had in this area, I'm like, I can control myself now. I don't have to give in to crazy stuff. Thank God. My husband's mostly thankful, but <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, addictions that control you. Gambling, drugs, alcohol, shopping, pornography, lust, uh, you know, all compulsive sexual sins. You have the desire to do what is right, but you can't. And and here's the thing, we've got to have, we are the church. What I hate is seeing somebody in that state and the church is just like, can you believe? I'm like, no, 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 stop that. Can you not see there's a soul here and it's in bondage and we are the church, it's our job to help them get free. So you need to learn how to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit so you can help them get free. Now, if they don't want freedom, that's a different thing. But I'm talking about people who want to be free and they fail and they fail and they fail and they want to be free. I'm talking about those who want freedom. Sudden personality and attitude changes. You're talking to this person, they're this way this minute and they're that way that. And you're just like, what just happened? Who is that person? Like that, you know, and and they will have... um, I'm going to tell you something. A lot of times when these people do these things, they will not realize it. A lot of times they will not even really remember it. There will be gaps in their memory. And they'll be like, I don't know what you're talking about. It wasn't that bad. I didn't do. And you're like, wait, this doesn't match this person's core. Because I know who they are, who they were, the other person, just a minute ago. And now they're this person. And and their core personality is this guy. But who's this guy? Or gal. Not picking on you guys. Um, But, you know, we all, and there is, and they don't fully remember it. They don't fully see it. And if they did see it, they would never do it. So these are signs of demonization. A big one is a reaction to the name or the blood or the power of Jesus. That, uh, you know, it's interesting. um, One of the men that I had the privilege of leading to Christ, and then he went through a series of deliverance. He said before that, anytime I would talk to him about Jesus, he said inside he just felt kind of like, ugh, like he just didn't, it just made him feel unsettled. He didn't like it. Or if I talk about the blood of Jesus, he didn't like it. That's because the demons understand that that is what defeats them. So just having kind of that aversion to that. Um, uh, Focus on paranormal and the dark side of things. It's a big thing. We'll talk about that more. A critical spirit enjoys tearing people down. 
enjoys fault finding, enjoys finding out what's wrong with people. These are all signs. You know you have demonization in an area of your life when there is an emotional or physical part of your life that is beyond your control. When you're driven by something you don't want to do, and you don't want to live under that guilt, you don't want to live under that shame, you don't want to live in anxiety, you don't want to live in rage, you don't want to fill in the blank, um, but you're out of control in a certain area. If there's an area like that, there is an area of demonization. Which, by the way, it's great news because there's freedom. Probably, prior to that, you've spent your life going, what's wrong with me? Why can't I behavior modify this way, try this way, pray it away, read the Bible away, cry it away, beg it away, you know, and, and God's just like, because the church isn't doing what I told it to do. I told them to, to cast out demons in my name. We stopped doing it a long time ago, but hopefully we're starting back. And, I, and I'm going to tell you, I've seen more and more of it. The power of God is people are, the, the darkness is getting too dark. We can't keep going the way we're going. If we don't get real, then, forget, then, then there is no hope. I mean, we can't sit in these dead churches one more minute. Nobody's getting changed. Nobody's getting free. We're not, we aren't affecting the world. The world is affecting us. You, I, I, people are waking up. People are waking up. Another indicator of, of demonization are outbursts. And if you have outbursts, it will help you understand where an area has a hold on you. Because if you get squeezed too much, if somebody tells you no one too many times, if it's, if it's something, if it's an area, when you have an outburst, stop, take note, and think, what was that? Take a look at it. It, it helps you understand. It helps you figure it out. Because it is, um, because they do try to hide so much, you have to do, you have to say, Holy Spirit, show me, help me understand. You know, it, it has to be revealed to you. But usually when there's areas of outburst, you have some unhealthy emotional, something needs emotional healing, which there's a lot of times there's emotional healing issues, or which we do through the power in the name of Jesus. You can't heal your own emotions. Only Jesus can. So either you have emotional healing or you have uh, demonic oppression. So. Some of the, I'm just going to do a highlight, I went through a lot, but some of the evidence of demonic oppression, anxiety, depression, addiction, rage, bitterness, resentment, negativity, like extreme negativity, extreme fear, a critical fault-finding spirit, divisiveness, lustful, spiritual pride, controlling spirit, can't receive forgiveness of sins, can't forgive others, never good enough, striving, self-righteousness. These are just some of the areas. And, and as we're talking about some of these areas, I pray in the Holy Spirit, I pray in the name of Jesus that some of these areas are circulating within you. And you're saying, I see this. There's something here. There's something here I've dealt with and dealt with and dealt with and never gotten victory. And I believe in Jesus, so why am I not getting victory? So uh, there are sometimes there are physical manifestations of demons. And I just want to talk about a few of those. Um, I talked about lashing out in rage. But it, sometimes if a, if a demon is provoked, there will be a lot of verbal ab abuse. Um, unusual and strange body movements. 
uh, a very strange mocking laugh. Some of these things can happen and you might be like, what was that, what is that? This will help you understand. Um, the look in someone's eyes, you'll be looking at somebody, talking to somebody, and all of a sudden, that's not the same person you were just looking at. And even though their mouth is still saying the same things, you see this is not the same thing that you were just talking to. And the more you understand the spirit realm, the more you recognize that super fast. Um, I remember when I first started doing this, like I said, 12 years ago, and uh, and I would see it in my husband. I was doing deliverance with other people, and I was fearless. I had no fear. I just knew that God had called me to do it, and I knew that Jesus was going to protect me, and I didn't know what I was doing, but I just knew he, I, he, I was doing what he told me to do. I had no fear. But I would come home, and I'd see my husband, and I'd look in his eyes, and, he, he, and you guys know my story, but you know he at that point was... You're a crazy Jesus freak, and you know, what are you doing? And I'm like, you know, he just harassed me about it a lot. He was not supportive, he was mocking. But, and he's a kind person, but you know, we had stuff that we were in spiritual battle. But I would be talking to him, and he would be a sweet husband, and then like that, his eyes would change. And I was, even though I was doing deliverance everywhere else, when I would see it in my own husband, because you're one with that person. I remember my blood would go cold. I literally would just, and I would freeze in fear. I would be so scared when I saw that. I didn't even know what to do. And I remember at the beginning, I just run to the bathroom and shut the door. And I just sit in there going, Jesus, 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 what am I doing? I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to sleep next to that guy tonight. Like, and, but then Jesus taught me. Jesus taught me. You know, my husband is, you guys know, he's, he's, I couldn't do this ministry without him. God has set him free and set him free and set him free. I'm thankful that the fear didn't back me down. And what I did learn, what Jesus taught me, and you guys know I've had this journey and I didn't have any human being to walk me through it, so I just depended on the Holy Spirit to teach me step by step. But what he began to teach me to do is, Stephanie, he, the, Lord, the Lord reprimanded me. He was like, how dare you fear evil when I'm so strong in you? He's like, look at that man, look at those eyes, and you say, in your mind, not with your words, <laughs> I can imagine if I used to say, I, I, I remember very distinctly being in a coffee shop, and we're having, a, it's a Saturday morning, we're having a lovely conversation, and we're just sitting there talking, all of a sudden the switch goes off, and there it is, and I was like, <laughs> and I remember just sitting there in my mind, going, in the name of Jesus, I, I'm coming for you. In the name of Jesus, you're not going to have my husband. You're not going to have my marriage. You've had me. You've had our marriage, but that's over because now I know the truth. And this man will be set free, and I'm getting set free, and you're going to pay. And I just remember just reversing that narrative like that. Not out loud because my husband would have had me locked up. But like just, yeah, you know, you don't tell your husband, I see the demons in you. Now I know why you're so awful to me, you know. <laughs> But if you recognize what the war is, you can do battle. And it is the power of authority and taking authority. So start doing that when you see it. And you'll see it in people all the time now. Or at least as you start to grow in this. Listen, this might be the, I, I met with the women who came forward last time. And most of them are like, I've never heard this before. I've never seen this before. I've never, like, I don't know what to believe about this. You know, all this stuff. And so it's new and it's a process. But Okay, so anyway, the look in their eyes. Um, sometimes their voice will change. Um, and I said acting one minute and then overwhelming change and then overwhelming anxiety. Anxiety is such a major demonic, it drives a lot of other behaviors. 
So they go for the anxiety because if they can get you in anxiety, they can drive you to do other things. Whether it's you're so afraid you lock yourself in as a shut-in, which we've seen through COVID, right? Or if you're, you know, or you drink or you whatever. So, okay, now we've got to talk about demonic openings. How does this happen? And I already talked a little bit about uh, generational stuff, um, but, you know, um, Christians can open doors even while they're Christians, or they might have opened doors before they were Christians, or they might be opening doors right now and not even knowing it, or maybe they're opening doors and they do know it and they don't know how to stop. But there are things we do to open doors. And what, what Satan would like for you to do is feel shame and guilt about your door opening instead of gaining freedom so you can shut the door. And here's the thing, he doesn't need, he, some people leave their front door wide open, right? And they do things and just say, come on in. But other people are just like, I don't even understand how I let him in. There were a lot of things I was doing, I had no idea I was letting him in. He, we, we tend to buy older homes. This home's about to have its 100th birthday. And we've had older homes before that. And we always have these old homes. And what we found about old homes is that mice can get into your house the size of a quarter is all they need. And to me, that's Satan. He's a rat. He can squeeze through the size of a quarter. He, you just give him a little tiny thing. So we've got to understand what openings are. And he is after our minds, our hearts, which is our soul, right? Um, so he comes after our heart. Uh, the Bible tells us to guard our heart. It is the wellspring of life. The Bible says in Proverbs that everything flows out of the heart. You've got to guard your heart above all else. Um, the, and, and Satan knows if he can affect your heart, he can get everything else. He's after your heart, which again is your mind, your soul. And God gives us a way to protect our heart. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment, it says. So we think, oh, you know, what, you know what I've heard people say, which hurts my heart because they just don't understand God? They're like, God is so narcissistic. His number one thing is love me with all your mind, heart, soul, strength. Do you realize if you love God completely like that with all your mind, your soul, your heart, your strength, it protects you? Satan is after your soul, your mind, your heart. If you give all of that to Jesus, if he has your mind, your heart, your soul, your strength, that's a protection. He can't get in. He's protecting you. He is protecting you. So, so that's, the, that's the, the, the protection against the hole the size of a quarter that Satan can get in. But one of the major ways, and we see this all the time, that Satan comes against us is through sexual sin. Why is everything sexually charged, whether it's advertising, all the music, oh my goodness, every rap, it's, and you know, of course it gets more and more violent and more and more vile, but the movies, I mean, you guys remember when we grew up, I mean, we were watching like the A-Team and you know, like Hogan's Heroes and you know, and now the stuff that's on, I can't scroll through, I try to scroll through. PG-13 is, Everybody's sleeping with everybody. Everybody's, I mean, it's sexual sin everywhere. Why is it in the music? What, is, is that an accident? Is this just randomly sexual, sexualizing everything all over the place? Or No, it's not an accident. It's a demonic scheme. Because there's power. This empowers demons. So what we see in this scripture is, 
Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Am I therefore to, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 6, starting with verse 15. Um, I there, am I therefore to take a member of Christ and make it part of a prostitute? They're using a prostitute as an example, but you can fill in any other person that you're having sex with. Certainly not. Do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says, God says, the two shall become one flesh. Run away from sexual immorality in any form, whether thought or behavior, whether visual or written. Every other sin that a man commits is outside his body, but the one who is sexually immoral sins against his own body. Of course, Satan's coming after, uh, after sexuality. It is a great power. It opens, you swing wide open the door. And that's a whole, I could, that's a whole long, I, I mean, if that, if you, if you feel like Satan's got a hold of you in this area, Come talk to me because I want to explain the spirit realm to you in this area and help you get free of that. Okay, another huge area. And this has happened more and more in the church. It didn't used to exist in the church and now it's happening a lot. Um, fortune tellers, mediums, consultants of the dead. This is exploding in the church. Um, and we have an example of this. And I want to show you Acts 16, starting with verse 16. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had the spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling because she was good at it, right? She was accurate. She, she did it. By fortune telling, she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. Here's the thing. Her facts were, actual, were accurate. This is, look, she's telling the truth. These men are servants of the most high God. They're telling you the way to be saved. Her facts were accurate. Just because accurate facts are spoken, that does not mean that the source is not demonic. The, Paul knew, even though she's following him, speaking, which most of the religious people didn't know to be true. She was actually saying the truth that most of the religious people back then didn't even know was true, even though this was demonic. Fortune telling is, all of this stuff is demonic. Another one, Leviticus 19, starting with verse 26. Do not practice fortune telling or witchcraft. Do not defile yourself by turning to mediums or those who consult the spirits of the dead. I am the Lord your God. Another one, Leviticus 20, starting with verse 6. I will also turn against those who commit spiritual prostitution by putting their trust in mediums or in those who consult the spirits of the dead. I will cut them off. Men and women among you who act as mediums or consult the spirits of the dead must be put to death by stoning. They are guilty of a capital offense. Listen, this is happening a lot. This is happening a lot because the demonic is on the rise and this is a very powerful form of, of demonization. And we've got an example in um, 1 Samuel 28 about King Saul. He went to the witch of Endor. And he had him, he, had, he disguised himself. They didn't know that King Saul, she didn't know that King Saul was the king because it was, a, you would, it was a death penalty back then. He went in, he said, call up Samuel, who was the prophet. Call him up, I need advice. 
And she did it. The second she, so she was legit. What I'm saying is, it's not like this is, so we like to say oh, it's, it's either quackery, it's not real, they're just fake, so it's quack. Well, guess what? It is real. It's been, it's been around for thousands and thousands. This is real, but it's evil because you're consulting. Instead of putting your trust in God, you are going to a source of evil. And evil, and by the way, that witch of Endor, she wasn't an evil person. She was kind to him. She fed him. She showed him kindness. It's not like just because somebody, see, we think that if you see somebody who, do, who, who practices this, oh, well, they're just these crazy, no, very normal people, very nice people. They're deceived. They don't know. I just want to take away. I would love to start to understand the power of what Jesus does. But this is a very real thing. And because of that, King Saul died that day. He's like, you consulted this witch. You consulted the dead. I told you not to do it. He and his sons died that day. It's very serious in the eyes of God. So we've got to be very careful about it. Um, the other thing that's going on right now is new age. People think they can be Christians and new age at the same time. You have Christians consulting tarot cards, uh, Ouija boards, burning sage, crystals, um, all kinds of new age things, and they want to have Jesus and a demonic religion. It is a demonic religion. You have to choose. Jesus says you can't have both. And we see this in scripture, but this is a huge opening. If you have ever done this, you have absolutely swung wide open the door and you have to get help to get free because this is, and, and by the way, this is not, don't let Satan put you in guilt and condemnation. Just get freedom. Like this is not, this is not about like feeling bad about the things we've done wrong. This is about doing right after what we've done wrong. This is about making it right. We've all, we've all done things we've got to make right. But Deuteronomy 18, starting with verse 10, it says, don't let your people practice fortune telling or your, use sorcery or interpret omens or engage in witchcraft or cast spells or function as mediums or psychics or call forth the spirits of the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. It's because the other nations have done these detestable things that God drove them out. He destroyed them. But you must be blameless before the Lord your God. The nations you're about to displace consulted sorcerers and fortune tellers, but the Lord your God forbids you to do such things. We've got too many horoscope things. I mean, listen, that's not harmless. That's a spiritual thing. It's spiritual. It's spiritual. It's the spirit realm. But because we become so ignorant of the spirit realm, we're participating in evil and don't even know. So this is how you know. I've told this story before, but my girlfriend, she was about to go through a divorce, and God saved the marriage, but she didn't go through it. But, and her friend was about to go through a divorce. She was a Christian. Her friend wasn't. Her friend said, I'm going to go to this fortune teller. She's legit. Like, I've had friends who've gone. They really know things. They can really tell you things. They can really, she's legit. And my girlfriend said, I can't go. I'm a Christian. And she's like, well, I'm going. She's like, I'm a Christian too, but I'm going. But she, she wasn't really a Christian. She wasn't really going to honor God's word, right? So she goes, this woman could tell her stuff about her past. They can. They, she told her accurate things about her past. She told her things about the future. So then you have to give your birth date, your this, your that, a couple facts. So she felt, so, she was like, man, this woman's so great. I don't want my friend to miss this. So she's like, hey, can you look at my friend for me if I give you her name, her birth date, blah, blah, I know that. She's like, yeah, I can do it. So she's like, okay, I'll pay you extra. Look, look at my friend. My friend's going through a lot. And she did it out of a heart 
for her friend, right? Not to be mean, but to be kind. She thought, she didn't know. The lady goes to try to look. She can't see anything. She said, I can't see anything. She belongs, she's blood, she's something that the blood has blocked her. Couldn't see, couldn't see a thing about her because it's real. And because now if my girlfriend had gone and consented and given her consent and gone along with it, it would have been different. But because she was against, she was obeying God, couldn't see. This stuff's real. And we play with it and we don't even know it. Um, so we've got to be really careful. One more, 1 Corinthians 10, 20 through 21. I don't want you to participate with demons. This stuff is demonic. You can't drink from the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons too, which is what people are trying to do. Mix all of this spiritual stuff together and think that you can have both. You can't. You cannot eat the Lord's table and at the table of demons too. Pick. Pick, it says. We had... Um, and this is an example of a generational, uh, so a generational uh, demon passed down. We were sitting here for my 50th birthday, and a bunch of people had flown in for my 50th birthday, and it was they'd been here for three days, and they were leaving that day, and we were just sitting around, hanging out, having a great time, talking about the weekend. And the Holy Spirit just kind of came over me and the Lord started giving me prophetic words for some of the people sitting in the room. And these people are women who've walked with the Lord devoutly for a long time. And this couch was filled with three people right here and the woman right there in the middle. I start getting a word of knowledge for the person next to her. We have praise music on. We've been having some worship, just being in the presence of God, wrapping up a great fun weekend. And the woman who's right there in the middle starts shaking and then starts rocking and then she can't talk, which is, <laughs> I was saying, there's physical demon manifestations. She's supposed to be on a plane and like, they're supposed to leave in like 30 minutes for a plane. And she can't even speak because I've told you last time, demons can take over and you know, when they have that, uh, when, when they're manifesting like that. And I was like, well, I guess you're going to miss your plane. And this is great because you're going to get freedom. I mean, we scrambled. We, she rearranged her plane. She rearranged care of her children. She rearranged her work schedule. She stayed. She got free. Now, this is a woman who's walked with God, who goes to church every Sunday, who's walked with God for a long time, a long, long, long time. But her grandparents were very involved with Santeria which is a type of voodoo. They're Puerto Rican. It's their religion in Puerto Rico. They just think it's their normal religion. They do things they think that will help them stay healthy or, because demons lie, they tell you the opposite. If you do this, if you kill a chicken for me or whatever, then your family will be healthy. So you sacrifice something to this thing. And, and, and so she was in generational bondage. The change that came over her. But, but then what happened is the next time she flew in, she brought her daughter. Then her daughter got free. What I'm saying is, so, they, I mean, it just is, now it's not her fault, not her daughter's fault, but she needed freedom. She's lived with this her whole life. Um, so we've got to understand how these things happen. You know, entertainment is a major opening. We've talked about pornography. I don't know if I've talked yet about horror movies. A hundred percent an opening. 
You've got people killing people, torturing people. That's not entertainment. That is full-fledged demonic. You've watched that, you've got demons. You've opened the door wide open. Pornography, you've opened the door wide open. They, 100%, you've let them in. And again, let's not feel bad about it. Let's fix it, right? Let's just fix it. But um, a big thing that, that Satan uses is trauma. Trauma is a huge opening. And what happens in trauma is a lot of times trauma happens, and especially when people are young, they don't have Jesus, if you have trauma and you have Jesus, you can turn your trauma over to Jesus. If you don't have trauma, and when you have trauma and you don't have Jesus, uh, you will go, uh, uh, nature abhors a void. You will find a way to fill a void if you don't go to Jesus with it. You will find a way. So you'll go to drugs and alcohol. You'll go to sleeping with somebody. You'll whatever, or you'll, you'll, you'll go to anxiety. You'll go to isolation. How all that list that I gave you, Satan doesn't care as long as he gets you in any of them. But trauma unresolved that happens when you don't have Jesus to have him be your source of how you handle it, then the enemy will give you a source. And it will usually swing wide open the door. And I'm going to give the example today of Arcady. And, and some of you have heard her story, but she got to be here today. But Katie, she had a brother who died when she was 14, right? You're 14. Yeah. She was 14. Her brother died. She was at her dad's house. Her parents were divorced. She was at her dad's house the day of the funeral. Her dad gave her vodka to help her feel better to get through. Just, just, just one time, just that one night, right? The father's like, just this one time, just to try to feel better about a funeral, a death of a brother, a very traumatic event. She became a closet alcoholic and no one knew. She was a closet alcoholic. I mean, she's 14, but here's the thing. And how do you get that past parents? But here's the thing. Demons will show you how to get it past parents. Demons will show you how to hide their stuff so they can keep you. So believe me, most of this stuff, they'll help you figure out how to keep it hidden. So she was able to keep this hidden for over a decade. And that trauma, because she didn't have Jesus at the time, led to alcoholism. And, and nothing ever stays the same. It will always take more and more ground. So the trauma takes the alcoholism. The alcoholism will lead to something else. Alcoholism doesn't stay. Evil always grows. We, we, have, a, we, have, a, we have a principle in our, in our government. We don't deal with, with terrorists. Why do we say we don't deal with terrorists? Because if you feed it once, it'll never stop. It'll just get bigger and bigger. Evil's, evil's terrorism on your soul. So it's not like it's going to stay the same size if you just... So she fed that thing. She didn't know. She's a kid. She doesn't know Jesus at all. Nobody in her family knows Jesus at that point. She just is trying to get out of the pain. And before you know it, she's addicted to prescription drugs. Before you know it, she has tried to commit suicide several times and is spending time in psych wards, spending time in, um, spending time in, in hospitals and all kinds of stuff, and it became desperate. Let me show you something. Ephesians 5.18, it says, don't get drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, my mom gave me that verse when I went to college, because she knew college. I went to a secular college. She knew, and I was in a sorority. She knew college was filled with drinking, and it was. It was filled with drinking. But this verse was always in my mind, and I didn't get into drinking. And, and I'm sure it's because my parents prayed a lot, too, that I wouldn't, and, you know, all kinds of things. But 
Do you know, now that I understand the spirit, I was always like, I don't really understand. Don't get drunk, it'll ruin your life. Which believe me, in my sorority, I spent a lot of time watching my girlfriends go through abortions because I slept with somebody while they were drunk. Watching my girlfriends be in shame and disgrace because of this, that, whatever that happened. So there's, all, I understand that it'll ruin your life part, but I didn't understand instead be filled with the Holy Spirit until I began to understand the spirit realm. Do you know why? Drunkenness, alcoholism is a spirit. So the counter spirit is the Holy Spirit. Now I understand. Either you're gonna, so why do people drink? Like Katie, to stop hurting. Well, instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why do people drink? To feel like they're fun. Because they, well, instead of, instead of you, you get your, your personality from the Holy Spirit. Your fullness of your personality comes from Christ. He created you to be full of joy, peace, and love. But because you don't really have God in your life at, at that degree, you don't, you're not filled with it, so you have to drink to, to be that person. Fill in the blank. Whatever reason, Satan will give you a reason. Fill in the reason, or it's generational, or whatever. But whatever the reason is, it's a spirit, and it wants to destroy your life. And every single time you give into it, you give it that much more ground. It gets stronger and stronger and stronger, and then it takes you to the next level. So it took her to pills, doesn't matter. I mean, how many families have been ruined by this? How many businesses have been ruined by this? How many fill in the blank? It's a spirit that'll never stop. It's a demon. So Katie finds herself in these, in these rehabs and in all these things, and she can't get better. And I'm saying to her mom, I'm saying, it's spiritual. We need to, you know, you don't need to send her to these expensive rehabs. It's a, it's a demon. But her mom was desperate and didn't know what to do. So they sent her to one of the most expensive rehabs in America. She came home worse. It was so bad that they thought that the only way they could, they could fix this problem was through tough love. And they, she was, her mom was so desperate, she's like, the only thing I know to do is to give her tough love. I'm gonna turn her out on the street because she was living at home. She's like, I mean, literally, she was moments away from being homeless. She didn't know what to do. She had tried everything. And I was here at this house, and I said, it's spiritual. We're going to get on the phone, because the Holy Spirit, it works over the phone. It's Jesus. It's not a person. We're going to get on the phone. And see, we had tried to do deliverance on her before, but she didn't really want it. We basically did a surprise attack. <laughs> she did, it doesn't work that way. But yeah, it was ambush. But we were desperate. We were desperate. So we tried it, but she didn't really want it. And that doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. So it didn't really work. But now she wants it. Now she's tried to kill herself a couple of times and been through a couple of rehabs and about to be homeless. And, and so she... And by the way, she has already gotten saved, but she's still stuck in this. She truly did already become a Christian, but she couldn't get free of this. So she's a Christian now. I mean, she wasn't a Christian when it started, but by now she's a Christian, but she can't get free. So over the phone, we do deliverance. I am supposed to be meeting Sarah for my very first Wyndham. I've never been to the Wyndham before. I'm supposed to be meeting Sarah at the Wyndham. And she never knew why I was late till now, but I was late. <laughs> and that day, Katie said, I'm ready. And we did deliverance on her. She puked up some demons. We flushed all the pills. And she got free. And by the way, we let the Holy Spirit guide us. 
And my, my, my friend who I talked about last week, who's the doctor who I, I gave the story about, but anyway, he is one of my best guy friends. So I called him and told him, he's, he is very aware of all this spirit realm stuff. And I said, listen, this is what happened. And we just flushed all these pills. He's like, Stephanie, you could kill her. He's like, this is very serious. You could kill her. I said, no, we won't kill her. The Holy Spirit told us to do it. I trust God. I hear from the Holy Spirit. He told us to flush them. We flushed them. They flushed, we flushed them all. And she was set free before and after. <laughs> That's, and this is Katie already saved, but just d- addicted to pills. This is our Katie now. Yay, How beautiful is Jesus? Yeah. So, uh, you know, all the, all, the, all the money spent on rehabs, all the whatever, it's Jesus. But it's Jesus and also knowing how to deal with a demon. She had Jesus. She just also had a demonic attachment that she could not get free of on her own, no matter how desperate she was to get free of it. And how, again, look how beautiful Jesus is on people. I mean, look at how beautiful Jesus is on people. It's beautiful. And man, this girl is a rock star for God. Let me tell you, she is amazing. Um, so it's, it's, we rejoice over that all the time. So another area that I want to just talk about really quick is legalism. Pharisee legalism. Um, demons love this particular one so much. They love it, and they're so good at it. They, they got all the Pharisees to kill Jesus. This is their favorite. This is their favorite. This is the worst. Spiritual pride taking pride in all the rules that they follow. So proud of how I follow all the rules. So proud of how good I am. You know, the Pharisees said about the tax collector, I'm so thankful I'm not like him. I'm so righteous. Um, They're so arrogant that they think that they come to God in their own righteousness. And they look at other people and they look down on them because they're not what they are. That whole um, earning it. These are the people who tortured Jesus. These are the people who killed the disciples. This is the worst kind of demon, and it hides behind righteousness, so it's really hard to get to. I hate these the most. These are the hardest, hardest, hardest ones. And by the way, don't even mess with it if the person doesn't want to forfeit it. If the person doesn't want to forfeit it, don't even mess with it. Because just like Katie, you can't do an ambush. A person has to want to be free of it. So it is one of the most awful demonic strongholds is to think that our relationship with God is about our own righteousness instead of his love for us and our love for him. Our love for him, his love for us. That's what this is about. And out of our love for him, we obey him because we love him so much. My daughter's almost 17. We have a really close relationship. When she was little, there were consequences. I haven't given her a consequence in years because she loves me. She doesn't want to disappoint me. We've matured into something different. So it, this, is, this is what it's supposed to be. Okay, another one, fear and anxiety. Philippians 4, 6. Don't be anxious about anything. It commands you not to be anxious. It's a disobedience to God. When we're anxious, we elevate our problem. Our problem is bigger than the love of Jesus. But if you're demonized, you don't know how to trust the love of Jesus enough that it's bigger than your problem. 
that he really will take care of you, that he really will protect you, that he really is everything he says. So the spirit of fear becomes our protector. We literally think that fear will protect us. And here's the thing that we've got to understand. Trusting is so simple if we understand that Jesus loves us. And if we believe that he loves us and that his ways are right, we will be set free of everything. There are such repercussions. And we open doors and we don't even realize it. If we understood how disobeying, something as simple as not being anxious. We don't think, that's, we don't think about that. And that's a command. Do not be anxious. But we don't even think about it. We just think, I can't help myself. No, 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 you've got to know the power of Jesus, the love of Jesus. It sets you free. So if we understand that God's ways protect us, then we don't look at them as overbearing or why does God give us all these rules? Or It keeps us safe. It keeps us safe. So we've got, oh boy, I'm running out of time again. That's what I'm telling you guys, trying to get through this. Um, okay, here's, I, I have a decision that I can make. I can finish the literature or we can cut it short. Do you guys, I'm going to let you guys. Okay, well, if you need to leave, go ahead and leave. I'll go ahead and finish. There's not that much left, but I am going to go over time. So if you need to leave, you can, but I'll go ahead and go through this. So these are things that we absolutely positively as Christians cannot go into agreement with, cannot participate. They are open doors. And again, it's not comprehensive, but it's limited. The occult, false religion, any part of the New Age movement, abusing alcohol or drugs, um, abortion, extreme verbal abuse or physical abuse, either if you've been under it or if you're, if you're treating people that way. Um, sexual promiscuity, compulsive gossip and slander, critical spirit, jealousy, selfishness, and pride. These things open the door to demons. And the scripture that I'm going to put up next, it shows you, it says, who among you is wise and intelligent? Let him by his good conduct show good deeds with gentleness and humility of true wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy, self-centeredness in your heart, don't be arrogant and as a result, defy the truth. This superficial wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but it's earthly, secular, it is demonic. This is in James 3, starting with verse 13. It is demonic. See, do we think of those things as demonic? Do you think when you're thinking that way that you're opening the door to the demonic? It's opening a door. Jealousy, self-centeredness, things that we don't think of. So we've got to understand how we're opening doors so we can close them. You cannot do any type of deliverance work unless a person is willing to break agreement. And that's what we were talking about with Katie. You have to be willing to break agreement. Um, demons cannot operate outside of your permission. And I explained all that last time, so I'm not going to go into that. Without your agreement, they can't operate. So you have to agree to think and behave the way they're trying to get you to think and behave. You have to agree to it. Um, and every time you give in to what they want to do, want you to do, they gain power. So they're gaining power every single time. Every time Katie took another drink, they gain power. They gain power. They gain power. Until they move on to something bigger. Right? So they're gaining power. And then they're like, oh, good. We've got this locked down. Now let's go on for this. You know, we've got alcohol 
We've got trauma and lockdown. We've got alcoholism knocked down. Let's go on for pills. After that, they didn't stop there. Let's go for suicide. Let's go. I mean, they just keep going. So we have to understand every time you follow where they're prompting you, you're giving them power over your life until you will not be able to recognize your life. You will not be able to recognize it. You will not. You will look in the mirror. I've been there. I've looked in the mirror and been like, I, I, who is this? Who is this? And it's not who I ever was before, and it's not who I want to be now, and Jesus help me. And he does. He does. Um, but you have to want to shut the door. You have to want to break agreement. You cannot come for deliverance and still hang on to that. Now listen, you don't come because you've gotten it work. Okay, I finally stopped. We're using drinking for Katie. I finally stopped drinking, so now do. You can't stop beforehand. You have to have deliverance first. Then you can stop. You can't try hard. We already went over that. So the way you break, the way you do it is you say, I don't want to anymore. I now want Jesus and his ways instead of the demonic and his ways. So Lord God, I pray that you will help me replace this. And then you sit down on this couch and, and the Lord brings the freedom to you. So you just have to understand that you can't cast out a demon that you keep inviting in. Can't do it. If you're still inviting it in, then it has every right to stay. Um, and so you've got to understand how important um, breaking agreement is. And demons will do everything in the world to stay. They do, I've explained in the last teaching, they are disembodied spirits. They need a body. We saw that when Jesus cast the legion out and it begged them to go into the pigs. It needs you. It needs you. It needs to keep you full. It needs to keep you believing that it's not there. It needs you to believe it's not the reason that you're sick. It's not the reason why your marriage is going wrong. It's not the it wants you to believe anything other than what it really is. And so it's up to you. Are you going to make their environment comfortable for them? Or are you going to, one way to begin to make the environment miserable is to fill yourself with the word of God. Start listening to sermons nonstop. Stop, start listening to the, read the Bible nonstop. Christian music playing all the time. Make their home uncomfortable for them because you are their home. I was their home. And, and we see this in this scripture. Whoop, oh, whoops, here, I forgot this one last time, but it says, we were talking about pride, Proverbs 13.10. It says, Proverbs 13.10, where there is pride, there's conflict. If you have a prideful life, you'll have conflict all over your life. So just always remember that. But okay, back to where we were talking about. Um, Matthew 12, 43. Now when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, and of course, or a woman, it roams through waterless, dry, arid places in search of rest, but it doesn't find it because it needs a body. Then it says, I will return to my house from where I came. You are their house. You're either gonna make it comfortable for them or not let them in from where they came. And when it arrives, it finds a place unoccupied, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and make their home there, and the last condition of that man becomes worse than the first. So it will be with this wicked generation. What this is saying is, when you get deliverance, if you don't fill it with the Holy Spirit, you see it says it finds the house, it'll be swept clean, your life will be put back in order. Things will be better. Things will be happier. Things will be, but if you don't fill yourself with the Holy Spirit, 
then it finds, it says, oh, it's unoccupied and your condition is worse than before. This cannot be done without surrender to Jesus. This is what surrender to Jesus looks like. Saying, don't just clean my condition, Jesus. Don't just fix me. I want a relationship with you. Don't just fix me, Jesus. I surrender my life to you, to your word, to your ways. To you, Jesus, everything is you, Jesus. This is, how, this is how the house is refilled with the spirit of God instead of our own ways. And then they can't come back seven times worse. Believe me, I mean, I, but it's been sad. We, we have done deliverance on people and I've explained this and I've told them. And there is, a, there is a percentage of people that end up going back and every single one of them ends up worse. But that's their decision. There's nothing you could do. We do what Jesus tells us to do, and we do everything we can to warn them. We do everything to teach them how to fill that house with the Spirit of God. But it's up to them if they really want to walk it. See, what a lot of times people come for deliverance, and all they want is the, is the condition to be better, not a relationship with Christ. If you don't really want a relationship with Christ, it's not going to... Just stay home, because what you have is bad now, but it'll be worse. So... You know, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So here is, and actually I'm concluding, so maybe I was okay on time, but here are the steps to freedom. And uh, I want, as you're, as I've been talking, as I've been talking, you will know if there's something within you that's stirring, like last time, where you're like, I didn't even realize that that was demonic. I didn't even realize I was in agreement. I didn't even realize this was happening. I didn't even realize what I, I was thinking, what's wrong with me? Why can't I? What, whatever it is. But I, I'm gonna, we're going to do a prayer at the end. And as I go through this, and as I tell you the steps, I want you to start asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, where am I in agreement? Am I in bondage someplace? Show me. And the first step is what I just got done saying, a fully surrendered life, living fully surrendered to Jesus. No playing games. I'm going to show you. I just showed you that, that scripture in Matthew 12 about how it gets worse, but I'm going to show you another one. You cannot play games in the spirit realm. This lukewarm Christianity that's going on, that's a game. We're talking sold out for Christ. God's way is the only way. What is said in the word of God is the only way. And here we have a story where they, they, they got confused dealing with the spirit realm. It starts Acts 19, starting in verse 11. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured. And once again, evil spirits left them. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of the Jesus who Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, by the way, a Jewish chief priest, chief priest, top pastor. These are his, okay, top pastor guy, his sons, a Jewish chief priest were doing this. See, they didn't know Jesus. They were saying the guy that Paul's talking about, they didn't have a relationship with Jesus. They're just talking about somebody they don't really know. He says, one day the evil spirit answered them. Jesus I know, Paul I know about, 
but who the, I have a feeling there's a few four-letter words there that the Bible edited out. <laughs> but who the whatever are you? And then the man who had the evil spirits jumped on them and overpowered them all, all seven of them. One man, I told you last week, supernatural power. One man overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating, they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Don't play games in the spirit realm. Do this, Jesus, all the way. Jesus said, you can't partake with demons and me. Jesus has said, this is a marriage. It's all me or not. Don't participate in this other stuff. You're going to have to choose. You know, the Bible says, choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Choose that. It will cost you. This easy believism that you become a Christian and it doesn't, you just say a prayer and it costs you nothing is so unbiblical. The Bible says, count the cost before you come in. The Bible uses an example. He says, you don't go to war without first thinking, can I win this war? Do I have the soldiers? Do I? You don't build a house. He uses a say, you don't build a house without first saying, do I have enough money? Can I pay for the house? What is he saying? He's saying becoming a Christian will cost you. Do you know what it costs you? Your big, fat, selfish self. You're going to have to get over yourself and stop living for yourself. And you've got to live for Christ, not in a legalistic way where you're trying to earn it. You can't earn it. Our, our best works are filthy rags. We cannot earn this. But when we choose him, we marry him. And marriage is not about earning, but about loving. And when you choose to, it, and, and it says the church, which is us, the body of Christ, is the bride of Christ. The Bible uses the analogy of marriage all the time. It says we become one. Well, this is serious stuff. So you can't keep dating the world. You can't keep, you can't keep having one foot in both. This is a very serious decision. Revelation 3.15 says, I know your deeds. And you've heard this many times from me, but this is the church age we live in. So I pray that we will take this to heart. I know your deeds, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were hot or cold. So because you are lukewarm, spiritually useless, because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth, rejecting you with disgust. This is the amplified version. And this is where most of the church is. That's why evil is overtaking our nation and our world. Here is what the Bible says, James 4.4. You adulterers, he's talking to Christians in James 4.4. He's not talking to non-believers, he's talking to Christians. He said, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. We're trying to become Christians and stay in the world. We want our cake and eat it too. It's like being married and still dating. Jesus is like, no way. You live according to my word and I will protect you. I will set you free. I died and rose again to give you abundant life, to forgive every single sin. It will never be counted against you. The Bible says your, your sins are forgiven as far as the east is from the west. I died so you won't live in guilt and shame. I died so you won't live in depression and anxiety and fear and all those things. But if you're my, that's if you're my bride. My husband puts a roof over my head. I'm his wife. He doesn't put a roof over some other woman's head who's not his wife. That is the blessing of marriage. 
the covenant of marriage. If you want to be set free of a demon, you have to go into covenant of love with Jesus. And like we go into a covenant of love in our marriage, we honor them and they honor us and it is agreement of love. And this is what surrender looks like. Satan will go after every undisciplined, halfway Christian he can find and you will be his snack. It is up to you. It is your choice. It is my choice. But let's not let that be us. We've got to close the door to entry. We've got something that we do, and it breaks my heart. I started out saying, we don't talk about demons, right? Because we're so scared of them. They're the boogeyman. We're scared to death to talk about the spirit realm. We're scared of demons, but we are lackadaisical about sin. We give every excuse about sin. We don't, we don't take our sin seriously. The opposite is supposed to be true. We're supposed to be fearless with demons and scared to death of sin. With demons, we should be like, I'm coming for you. Just the way God got me looking at that thing in my husband's eyes, which by the way, it's gone. You know? My husband's a wonderful man of God who's the greatest blessing in my life. I won, not, well, I won through Jesus. It was the desire of my heart and God gave it to me because of the blood and resurrection of Jesus. That thing didn't win. That thing, it won for decades in our marriage, but it doesn't win anymore. It's over. The victory is won. Listen, we're not afraid of demons. We're afraid of sin. We're afraid to not be in a loving relationship with Jesus. That's what leaves you vulnerable. This scripture, Psalm 91, verse 11, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift up you up in their hands. We talked about the angels already. So that you will not strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on lions and cobras. Those are demons. You will trample the great lion and serpent. Oh, I forgot the rest of the verse. And nothing in no, in no way will harm you. I forgot the best part. That's the rest of it. And nothing in no way will harm you. We don't have to be afraid of them. Not if you walk with Christ. Not if you live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Why are you afraid of them? Be afraid of believing them, of agreeing with them, of following them. We cannot be passive. The next part is confess your sins before the Lord. You've got to, you've got to acknowledge that this stuff is sin. Stop making excuses. Stop blaming everybody who ever did everything wrong to you. Stop doing that. 1 John 3, 8 says, but when keep, people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to destroy the works of the devil in your life. But you've got to stop making excuses. You've got to stop blaming it on what happened. Katie couldn't get better if she blamed it on the fact that her brother died. She could only get better when she said, Jesus, I've sinned against you. You said, don't get drunk. I, got dr I get drunk. You said, don't do this. I do this. You said, she went through a list of confessions and meant it and said, God, I don't, I don't, I, I know that I have sinned against you. Forgive me of my sins. That's a big second step. After you've surrendered, stop with the excuse making and the finger pointing and, and own it. It's your sin. You're doing it. You're sinning against God. You're sinning against yourself and you're sinning against others. And you get to choose whether or not you're going to do that or not. 
Then the next step, the third step, is renounce your sin before the Lord. You, and it says in James 4, 7, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, if you still have the devil, if you still have the devil, if, if you've submitted to God, and that's the first part we just talked about, right? Submitting to God. Then you have to resist the devil, which is what confessing and renouncing your sin, and then you break all legal right. And you say, Satan, you have no right to me anymore. You submit. Step number one. Number two, you confess your sins. Step number three, you renounce your sins. Because confessing your sins doesn't mean you're renouncing them. Renouncing means you're saying, I don't agree with this anymore. I don't agree with this anymore. And then number four is you break all legal rights. See, as long as you're operating, as long as your excuse, as long as you're still doing it, they have legal right to you. Then you say, I break this agreement with you. I'm done. You're done. We're done. It's divorce. It's the piece of paper. You give Satan his packet, his walking slips. Say, done. Not for me and my household. We're done. And then we command these demons to go. And sometimes there's a process of healing. A lot of times there's a process of healing. And it's a beautiful process, but you're never the same. So I'm going to do this prayer. And what I want to do is, I want to, I'm going to put on a little bit of music. I want to just give you guys one minute. Because I want you to have a quiet minute to think about things that you might need to break agreement with. What do you need to break agreement with? Ask the Lord if there's things that you need to break agreement with. And then we're going to say a prayer. Okay, let's just keep our heads bowed. And we're going to do this prayer. And if this is how you feel, we're going to repeat this together out loud. Okay, so one, fully surrender. And listen, don't do this unless you mean it. Because it will, again, it's a marriage. You can't play games in the spirit realm. We just saw the seven sons of Sceva and all these other things. So if you mean this, we're going to say this out loud together. You can follow me. I'll say it and then you repeat after me. <clears throat> Jesus, I fully surrender my life to you. I don't just mean that I believe in you, which I do believe in you, but I mean I no longer live for myself. I now live for you. I live for your holy word. It is now my standard and my guide. What you say I will do. I want to get to know you. I want to love you. I want to receive all the love you have for me. Jesus, my life is yours. That's surrender. Now we're going to confess our sins. We're not going to confess out loud what your sins are, but you know what they are, and God knows what they are because he sees your heart right now. 
I confess that these things in my life that I have participated with in the past or are currently participating in, they're sin. Jesus, I'm so sorry. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against your word. I've sinned against myself. I've sinned against others. I now acknowledge that these things, and I'm saying I repent of them. I blame no one else. I just turn from them now. That's confessing your sin. Now we're going to renounce our sin. I break agreement with these sins. Satan, I've been going along with your program for far too long. I now, I no longer believe your lies. I will no longer be your pawn. I break agreement with this evil and turn from it. I ask Jesus and the Holy Spirit to help guide me. Guide me away from sin and into godly, holy, blessed living. That's renouncing sin. Now we break legal rights. By the blood and sacrifice of Jesus Christ, I declare that Satan's legal right over these areas of my life are broken. I am no longer your home. I put hope in Jesus Christ. I believe that he died and rose again to save my soul and to set me free from every demonic plan that would kill, steal, and destroy. I choose abundant life of Jesus Christ from this day forward. According to James 4, 7, I submit to God. I resist the devil. He must flee. And now we tell him, go. And in the name of Jesus Christ, I command every demonic entity that has been tormenting me to leave me now. In Jesus' name. You may never return again. In the name of Jesus. Spirit of the living God, you are here. This is a holy moment. Your people have chosen. They are not going to eat at the table of demons and the table of Christ. They have chosen you, Jesus. Now set them free in the name of Jesus. Every tormenting spirit, 
every spirit of rage, every spirit of anxiety, every spirit of fear, every spirit of, of guilt and shame, every spirit that takes husband against wife and parent against child and mother against daughter, every demonic spirit, the spirits of, of, of trauma, healing in Jesus' name, healing by the blood of the living lamb, Spirit of rage, I command you to go. Spirit of alcoholism, I command you to go. Spirit of drug addiction, I command you to go. Spirit of porn addiction, I command you to go. Lying spirits, I command you to go. Every demonic stronghold that has come to kill, steal, and destroy. We command you to go. We are in agreement with the gospel of Christ. Lift now in Jesus name lift off the souls of the people of God in the name of Jesus lift off of the spirit of God we thank you that you are taking them now in Jesus name Lord every single place where this evil has been like your word says in James don't be drunk on wine instead be filled with the spirit God every place fill those places instead of what once was now with the spirit of the living God which is peace joy love patience kindness goodness gentleness faithfulness self-control spirit of God fill your people you have promised us, and we know you are not a man that you would lie. You have promised us that when we resist Satan, when we break agreement, when we submit to you, Father God, that your spirit prevails. Lord Jesus, I thank you now, Jesus. You are setting the captives free. And Father, from this day forward, may they never be the same. Seal them by the blood of the living lamb. Fill them with your spirit, God. Do a mighty work. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. amen.